Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's see, how many of you, I know I'm not gonna ask this, I'm not gonna ask, but some of you were alive in 1951. Probably not many, but some of you. Helen had just been born. She was, what were you, two, three years old, Helen, in 51? Yeah, that's a good age. Yeah, and uh, 1951, a movie came out. Uh, Roger and Hammerstein's Disney movie that they did uh, was uh, The King and I. How many of you have seen the movie The King and I? Yeah, Yul Brenner. Yeah, The King and I, Yul Brenner. There is a clip from this uh, 1951 uh, movie of a song that is being sung by the actress that played the main, main characters. And uh, it kind of is descriptive of the entire movie. Here's the song. If there's sound, unmute the... Of course, the song continues, but the, how many of you have heard that song before? Getting to, even if you've never seen the movie, you've probably heard that song, Getting to Know You. Uh, the King and I, my wife and I, yesterday we were talking and I said, man, tomorrow night I'm using the intro. Uh, in the intro, I'm, I'm going to play a song from uh, The King and I. And she looked at me and she said, you've seen The King and I? I was like, well, yeah, I've seen The King and I. And she was like, she didn't, I could tell she didn't believe me. And I said, yeah, you know, and I, I begin to tell her the storyline. Did you know that really the storyline of the movie, that even if you've never seen it, the storyline of the movie is the line of that song, getting to know you. The scene, of course, is set up where there's a, a family in, uh, in, what's the country, Hannah? Siam, yeah. A family in Siam, the king who has a... Uh, um, a I don't even know what she would have been called at that time. She comes in and she's going to take care of the kids and raise the kids. And she's singing this song about raising and helping these kids, getting to know, I'm going to spend time with you. And through the course of the movie, the lesson that she's teaching to the king is you don't spend enough time with your kids and you don't even know your own family. We all probably can relate to that in some way. Some way, maybe it's not with our own family, of spending time with our own family, but tonight what we're going to look at is this idea of getting to know you and understanding that what the king was learning in that movie is really actually a lesson that God wants his family, his kids to know about each other. Did you know that we are commanded by Scripture? We are commanded by scripture to fellowship with other believers. Now, for some of you, that's really hard. For some of us, there are times in our lives when uh, we don't wanna be around people. How many of you ever have a moment where you don't wanna be around people? You know what? All of us, even, even the, uh, the most introvert person, or excuse me, the most extrovert person in here all of us have times in our life when we just don't wanna be around people. But as we're coming to our, the word of God tonight, we're just gonna look at this command that God says, I want you to get out of your comfort zone and be around the people of God. I want you 
to get to know people. And that's what we're gonna look at tonight. So take your Bible, if you would. Let's go to Hebrews chapter number 10, and let's stand together. Hebrews chapter number 10 tonight. And we're going to uh, begin reading in verse number 19. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 19, we read these words. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having, I didn't get, didn't, hey, Carlos, click that slide. Mine didn't go. There we go. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful, that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For the next few minutes tonight, we're going to take some, just some time and get some instruction from God about the command to get to know the people that we worship the Lord with. We should get to know all believers, but specifically the people that we worship with week in and week out, uh, it should be just like family. And so tonight we're going to look at this, this thought, and I'll tell you why here in just a minute. I'm excited about the passage and about the context of what we're looking at tonight. And so let's ask God to bless the preaching and then we'll get into it. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take a minute And just in the quietness of your own heart, would you pray? And would you ask God to speak to you tonight? You can pray something simple. God, please speak to me tonight. God, please speak to me tonight. And then would you make a commitment? God, if you speak to me, I'm gonna listen to you. Dear Lord, we just wanna come before you and we want to take time to uh, just look into your word, to be challenged tonight by you, by your Holy Spirit working in us and through the, the preaching tonight, through the listening, Father, I just surrender my thoughts and words, my actions to you. I desire, Lord, that this message would not be mine but would be yours and, Father, that you would help encourage, strengthen, and use the word of God to, uh, to illuminate decisions that need to be made in our lives. We love you. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> the book of Hebrews, this passage, of course, uh, really is uh, very familiar to us. We've spent time in Hebrews 10 and 11. A few years ago, preached uh, most of our year's theme. Actually, our entire year theme was out of uh, Hebrews chapter 10, just a few verses after this. And then we spent a lot of time in Hebrews 11. But for those of us that may be unfamiliar with it, uh, of course, the book of Hebrews, we don't know who the author was. There are people who debate uh, whether it was uh, uh, Peter or Paul or others. Uh, But regardless of who wrote it, we know why they wrote it. 
All right, so the book of Hebrews, just to kind of give us some good context because it helps this passage make sense, the book of Hebrews was written specifically to a group of believing Hebrews. They were Jewish people that had trusted Christ as Savior. It'd be a group that had believed that Jesus was the Messiah, and now they were growing in the Lord. But at this time, we need to know that many of the readers, they wouldn't be in Jerusalem, many of them not even in Israel. Of course, persecution had hit the early Christians. We know this from Acts chapter number eight, that the believers were scattered abroad. Of course, uh, Saul of Tarsus kind of was the uh, initial kickoff of that, Stephen being the first martyr. And then you can go and you can read that in Acts eight, Saul wreaked havoc against the church and people were spread all over. So that would be the believing Jews, the Hebrews that much of this letter is written to. And so what we need to know is what they were facing politically and what, they were, what the, uh, um, the climate was, political climate at that time, we know that they were facing death. Many of them were being arrested for their faith. Many of them were losing jobs. Many of them losing family. Of course, many of them serving time in jail uh, just for simply being a Christian. Well, we've talked about this before, but if, if that were you, if you or me were facing going to jail and we were watching this take place, a question would come into our mind. The question would be, is this worth it? Is being a Christian worth going to jail? Is it worth losing my job? Is it worth giving up my family or losing a spouse? That question would be in our mind, is is this worth it? Well, many of these Hebrews, these Jewish people, they were facing the same question. And unfortunately, a lot of them, they were not recanting their faith, although I personally believe that there were some that, that were just saying, well, we don't believe it anymore. And, and whether they were saved at, at the beginning of it or not, we don't know. We just know you can't lose your salvation. So maybe they were never saved to, to begin with. But we know that there was a group of them that although they were saved, they knew Christ, that they begin falling back into or walking back into their, their past religion. So they were saved people, but they were saying, well, no, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a Christian. I, I may believe in Jesus, but I'm not gonna be vocal about it. Well, why would they do that? Because they're afraid of losing their life. It wasn't, it wasn't worth it to them. So the author of Hebrews, what the, the letter is about is the author writing to these saved Hebrews to say, stick with it. Hey, what you have in Christ, even though you may face persecution, it is way better than what we had in the old law. It is way better than the Old Testament. It is way better than the Old Covenant. And by Old Testament, I mean the Old Covenant with uh, the, the sacrifices and all of that. The author of Hebrews is writing to them and simply saying, what we have in Jesus literally changes everything, every way we approach God. So don't, don't get scared. Hey, stay strong in the faith. And that's where we go to Hebrews chapter number 12, right? Remember Hebrews chapter number 12, where it's, we've been compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And so let us consider, consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Hey, consider Christ. He didn't turn back. You don't need to turn back. No matter how hard it is, what you have in Jesus 
is way better than anything that you had previously. How many of you would say amen to that? Man, aren't you thankful for what we have in Christ? And even though we have hard times, and even though there are times maybe where uh, our plans don't measure up to what we thought we would be in or what we thought would be happening, we can look at it and we can say, man, what I have right now is way better than what this world has to offer. It's like what Peter said in John chapter number six, when God said, when Jesus said to them, are you also going to go away? And Peter said, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, man. Jesus, you are where it's at at every Everything is in you. That's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get across to these believers. He's trying to help them understand, hey, what you have in Christ, it it literally changes everything in your life. In our particular portion of Hebrews, the author is writing that because of Jesus, because of Jesus, now he's going to dive into a few things that that we have an opportunity to do. Because Jesus, not only does he change everything, but Jesus Christ, when we have Christ, he changes our relationships. This is one of the things that you're going to look at in Hebrews chapter 11, that having Jesus changes your relationships. Well, relationships with who? It changes your relationships with God. You see, because of Christ, now You and I, we can enter into the throne room of God. Hebrews chapter four and verse number 16. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. And so the author now is coming back to that thought. Hey, when you have Christ, it changes your relationship with God. But then also the other relationship it changes is our relationship with fellow Christians. Because you have Christ, it changes how you view and how you relate to other believers. You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever said, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm closer to people I go to church with than I am my own family. Uh, many of us, I, there's people in here that you've said that to me, man, pastor, I feel like the church is just like a, it's like a second family to me. Hey, can I tell you, God made it that way. God made it that way. It's a beautiful picture of the father and the son uh, that's made within the church. And so there's this thought of the relationships that have been changed. And so tonight I wanna look at this passage. We're gonna get four very simple and very quick thoughts tonight of, of because our relationships have changed, because our relationship with God has changed, there's some things we should do. And because our relationships with people have changed, there's some things we should do. It's two and two, all right? So let's look at the first thing tonight. Because your relationship with God has changed through Christ, here's the first challenge. The first challenge is to draw near to God. Since you can have a relationship with God, draw near to him. Notice, if you will, verse number 22. All right, verse number 22, here's what the author says. Let us draw near. We'll draw near to who? To God. That was been, if you go back to verse number 19, that we have a high priest. If you look at uh, Hebrews 10, 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Hey, since you have a new relationship through Christ, you now can draw near to God with a true heart and full assurance of faith, you can be fully assured that your faith gives you access, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. All the, all the author is saying is, hey, since you have Christ, take advantage of your new relationship with God. 
Be somebody who meets with God. Be somebody who boldly approaches God. Uh, if you go through the book of Hebrews, I would encourage you to do it sometime. It, it, it would take you probably about 30 minutes. Take you probably about 30 minutes to just read the entire book. Some kids in here might take a little bit longer, but parents, read it with your kids. Just go through it and just read the book of Hebrews. And you know what you're gonna step back with? You're gonna step back with, wow, repetition. (laughs) The author is very repetitive of this. You have a new relationship with God because of Jesus. That is the best thing in the world for you. And with that in mind, the author says, so draw near to God. The, the concept of this, the, the, the readers reading this, their mind would be thinking about the old way of doing things. All right, the old way under Judaism would be that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. He would go in on the Holy of Holies. He would sprinkle the blood of the lamb on the mercy seat and the prayers uh, uh, that the people had made would then go up on behalf of the people And only one person, only that one priest would go in. Only one could be engaged with that one-on-one type of relationship with God. And the normal normal Hebrew mindset would say, there is no possible way that I can have a one-on-one relationship with God. One man said it this way, no old covenant worshiper would have been bold enough to try to enter the holy, holy of holies of the tabernacle. So if you were to go back, uh, read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you read Joshua, you read Judges, you read Ruth, you read about all the Old Testament and you look at the worship, even in Nehemiah, and you can see, man, just your, your uh, simple Hebrew citizen, they wouldn't, they wouldn't dare to walk into the Holy of Holies. And yet in our passage, here's what the author is saying, hey, Remember that when Jesus was crucified, when he rose again, what took place in the temple? The veil was rent. It was torn in two. It was torn from top to bottom, wasn't it? What was that signifying? Access to God. So you and I, we now have access to God. And so here's the author simply writing, you should be challenged to draw near to God. You can be engaged in the fellowship of the creator God. Draw nigh to him with boldness. Draw nigh to him with sincerity or a true heart. Draw nigh to him with full assurance of your faith. Draw nigh to him in the knowledge that you have been sprinkled and washed, that you can be right with him. Hey, everything in your relationship with God changes because of Christ. Isn't that awesome? I don't know about you, but it's encouraging to me that I can go to Jesus and I I can go to God anytime. You don't have to be at an altar. You don't have to be at a church. You don't have to, listen, nobody has to pray for you. Isn't that a good thing? Uh, We were at lunch today, took our friends that were here. They traveled on the rest of their trip, but we went to lunch today and I met a fella and he said to me, he said, yeah, I didn't go to church today, but maybe you could pray for me. So he said, he was, he's like, yeah, I normally go to such and such church. I didn't go today. He said, but pastor, you pray for me. And I understand maybe, uh, and of course the religion he was talking about, he really meant like, I, I think that your prayers will do better than mine. Hey, I'm thankful today that it's not, that we're not dependent upon my prayers. You can have a relationship with God. Isn't that great? James said it this way in James chapter four and verse number eight, draw nigh to God and he will what? Man, he's gonna draw nigh to you. We've seen the illustration, right, of the two people, one on this end, one on that, and you take a step, God takes a step. That's not how it works. 
That's not how it works. Here's what, I, here's what I liken it to. I take a step, God comes the rest of the way. Man, a guy, guy, that's simply the passage. That's the thought. That's what the author is trying to get across to the readers in this book is, hey, you have a new relationship with God, so draw near to God. What else should I do because of my new relationship? Hold fast to your faith. Hold fast to your faith. Verse number 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Now, real quick, this is not at all referring to someone holding or maintaining their own salvation. Okay, this is a biblical doctrine. Catch this tonight. By the way, isn't it warm in here right now? I am cooking up here. You are cooking right there. Hopefully, this week or next week, we're getting a brand new mini split put in back there to try to, try to keep up with the heat. If you've been around our church for any length of time, you know July and August and then uh, January and December are the four months that it is either extremely warm or extremely cold. Just know that I'm the one standing up here talking in this heat. So if you see sweat dripping it's okay. So anyway, I mentioned the mini split because we can give to that and then we can buy a mini split and put it back there. It's a great time to mention that, isn't it, Dustin? Because now people are like, man, I'm giving towards it. I can't deal with this. Taking money and wiping sweat and putting in the offering tray. <laughs> it's all right. I'm not counting the night the other guys are. <clears throat> Where was I going? Give me a second. Hold fast. One second. I know. Oh, that's what it was. A doctrinal truth that we need to realize is this, that uh, you, you are not responsible to keep your salvation. That's not what this verse is saying. Now, why is it good for us to know that? Because there are a lot of uh, religions and there's a lot of different uh, uh, religious teachers that teach that you have to maintain your own salvation, that once you trust Christ and put your faith in him, that it's up to you to, and they use, they use this verse and they use um, a couple other verses, one of them, work out your own salvation. They use these verses to say, well, you, you, know, you have to maintain some sort of uh, righteousness to, and be right with God to keep your salvation. That's not true, okay? Here's a great biblical principle, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a definitive verb. It means it's definitely going to happen. Um, you are in Christ's hand and he is in God's hand and no man will pluck you out of that hand. That means salvation isn't going anywhere. Aren't you glad? Because many of you and me probably would have lost our salvation a few times by now. You know what? That's not what this verse is teaching. As the writer writes to this, again, remembering the context of the culture, the political climate and everything, he's writing to them, hey, listen. Hey, don't, don't, come, don't go back to what you used to believe. No, now hold fast to it, cling to it. Not because you have to keep it. No, because it will keep you. Do you see that? For he is faithful that promised uh, Micah, where you at? Come here. Hurry. Nice shoes. Uh, if we, if, I'm gonna illustrate this, okay? If our salvation was dependent upon us, then we have to hold on to God, okay? 
Who's stronger in this situation, Micah or me? Don't you dare say Micah. (laughs) Craig. You know what? If it's dependent upon us, okay? If it's dependent upon us, there's gonna be times, really? Do you wanna do this in front of all the people? (laughs) It's gonna be times when, when we, we can't hang on. We can't. But that's not what the verse says. The verse says, you hold on, hold on to the profession of your faith. Like you draw close, it's kind of going right hand in hand with the previous verse and hold to your faith without wavering. So you don't, don't be wishy-washy. Know that you have truth. Know that God can be trusted. Know that you have access to him. Know that it's a better covenant. Know that it's a better testament. Know that everything that you have in Jesus Christ is better than anything this world could offer. And then you need to remember that it is God who holds your faith. He is faithful that promised. What's that mean? That means no matter what you do to get out, you're not getting out. Try to get out. Can't breathe. Not getting out. We suffocate in the grace of God. Hey, you know, no, seriously, listen. There are a lot of Christians, they think that their salvation is dependent upon them, you know, holding on tightly to God. No, you and I, we hold on tightly to God, not not for salvation. We hold tightly to the truth that he is God and that he can be trusted. And so what is the author saying? Hey, now that you have a relationship with God through Christ, draw close to your faith because on the days that you can't hold on because life is beat against you, you don't have to worry about holding on. You know why? You're being held on to. Hey, I don't know about you, but that's encouraging. Why? God's not going anywhere. He's not bailing on you. He's not backing up. And so the idea is you draw close, you hold tight, because as you hold tight, my son's just, I just like giving a hug. As you hold tight, You know what's gonna happen is the days that you don't feel like you can hold tight, you don't need to worry about it because God's holding you. And the principle, the principle is here is hold tightly to the truth that you have been given. Why? Well, because it's gonna strengthen you on your weak times, but also Peter said it this way because there's gonna be times you and I should sanctify the Lord in our heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. There's gonna be times that people wonder, why are you so strong? And you're gonna be able to say, well, it's not me, yet not I. It's Christ in me, it's Christ through me. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I want people to be able to look at my life and be able to say, man, there's something different about you and me to be able to say, well, it's not anything in me. And I'm held by Christ. I'm held by God. So the author writes and he says, we need to draw near to God. We need to hold tightly to our faith. And that's because our relationship with God has changed. Those are a couple of challenges. Now, here's the last two. Because your relationship has changed with other believers, now here's what you need to do. First, you need to get to know believers. Since your relationship has changed with people, your theme song needs to be the king and I getting to know you. It needs to be, you know what, in my life, I'm gonna get to know other believers. Getting to know the ones that I worship with. Notice the verse, Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now again, 
Knowing the mindset that the reader would be reading this with and the persecution, some believers were, they were drifting away from the fellowship or from the church or from other Christians. And they, those other Christians were facing the same challenges. And yet, here's what the author challenged them with. The word, I want you to notice it. It says, let us consider one another. The word consider, it means this. It means to observe in order to discover. That's what the word consider means. To observe, to pay attention to, to get to know in order to discover. Well, in order to discover what? We'll get there. Stay with me. No, we'll just go there right now. Notice the second part of the verse. Consider one another in order to provoke unto love and to good works. The word provoke, it means to incite or to encourage, or to push. So here's the thought. Since our relationship with others has changed because of Christ, I should have a desire to get to know other believers, specifically those that I worship with, so that I can encourage or push them toward love and good works. And here's... The principle about relationships, you can't really encourage somebody and incite somebody to love and good works unless you are considering them. You can't do it unless you know them. Some of you have read Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. How many of you have read that book? It goes through the love languages that are are in every person and and, uh, really that book has been used by so many people. And most, most couples are recommended to read it or to at least get the cliff notes or something and get to know what your spouse's love language is. Why are you doing that? Because it will help you go deeper in your relationship. This is what the author of Hebrews right here is kind of writing to them. He's saying, hey, you need to consider, you need to observe in order to discover what it is that's going to help your fellow believers further for God. I would maybe write it this way, to consider, to get to know beyond a surface relationship. Now, I've been convicted by this and challenged by this over the last, really the last six months or so, and I've been really praying about what we could do because as a church, as a church, I hate this, and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to pick on anybody at all. So if you leave tonight, you're like, man, pastor really hammered me. I'm not, I'm not thinking about any individual person. Right? I'm thinking about Dennis Fountain. Unfortunately, we don't know people that we worship with. I can't tell you how many times, how many times someone has come up to me and said, hey, pastor, what's their name? They've been coming for like um, two years and I don't know their name. It's in every church. Why? Because in us, let's be honest, in us, even the most extrovert person, surface relationships are really easy. It's easy to come into church and, hey, Brother Danny, how you doing? Good to see you today. All right, brother. Yep, amen. And I don't have to talk to Brother Danny again for a week. <laughs> I don't have to talk to him until next Sunday. I don't, if I ask him how you do, and there's, and there's those certain people we don't even ask how you're doing. Because we know immediately they're going to go below the surface, and we don't want to do that. So I walk in and I say, hey, brother, good to see you. Good to see you today. 
If you ever get the good to see you from somebody in church, it's because they know you will be like, well, honestly, like today's been a horrible day. And I, you know, it's like talking to Judy Fountain all the time or something like, I'm kidding. It's good to be seen. That's right. Uh, you know what? Listen, the fact of the matter is that a lot of us, we are fearful. We are afraid of going deeper, but we're commanded to. And it's not just a command, it's healthy. It's healthy. I'm glad I went deeper than a surface relationship with my wife. I'm, I'm glad that our friend, I'm glad that really uh, we had a great vacation and I loved all the sites we went to, but can I tell you my absolute favorite thing? I just absolutely loved spending time with my wife and kids. I care less what we were doing. Like every day we woke up on our vacation time. I mean, at camp, we had to wake up and like do stuff and be responsible. But on vacation, you know, I woke up and did. I woke up and we were like, what do you wanna do? Well, I know we're getting coffee. That's what I know we're doing today. I don't care what else we do, just spend time together. Why? Because that relationship is good for me. In scripture and in this, in this passage in particular, we need to get to know believers around us. But what's sad is most of us don't really know the people we worship with. And so here's what we're going to do. Over the course of the next six weeks, we're gonna take this verse and we're gonna dive into it. How are we gonna do it? Six Sunday nights of getting to know people. Six Sundays of getting to know people. Over the next six weeks, here's what we're doing. Next Sunday night, we have our nacho night with the blues. We're gonna get to know our missionaries and what church looks like in Thailand and what church looks like in America and how we can support their church there because they're our missionaries. We support them. We've been with them for eight years, nine years now. We're gonna get to know what God is doing there. And then in that, we're gonna get to know each other and what we think about missions and how we look at missions giving and all of that. That's next Sunday night. August 7th is our all church barbecue. Hey, we're gonna be encouraged to come and there's not gonna be an evening service that, that day. We spend our time at the church property. Some stay there till four or five. I think last time there was a group that was there to like 6.30 because of, I mean, Robert was, Robert was a maniac playing tag with the teenagers on the bounce houses and getting to know people. You know what? That's what we're going to do on the, on the seventh. Just spend time at that all church barbecue. On the 14th, we have our church night out. You say, what is that? Some of you are going to come and participate. Others of you are going to come and laugh because we've rented the roller skating rink in Soap Lake. So all of the young people that enjoy skating are gonna be skating. All of the more seasoned people that don't enjoy skating are going to be laughing at those skating. And what are we gonna do? Man, we've rented it that night, the 14th from, the, the, uh, from 5.30 to 7.30. We're just gonna go there and just enjoy time together. You say, well, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna have to drive. We'll have a van. We'll have a couple vans that'll go up there. You can carpool with somebody. What a better way to get, get to know somebody. And just gonna go and have our church night out. On the 21st, we're having in-home fellowships, but these are not our typical in-home fellowships with our growth group. We're gonna have two or three specific locations where we sign up to go, and there's gonna be people there that we may have never met before, but we're gonna go and spend time together on our in-home fellowships. On the 28th, on the 28th, we don't have an evening service that Sunday night because what we're encouraging is on August 28th, we'll have just had our youth rally on the 26th. On the 28th is lunch with a friend. You know what that means? After the Sunday morning service, have someone over to your house, take somebody out to eat, somebody from church, somebody maybe that you don't know very well, somebody that maybe that you haven't spent much time with, 
You say, well, pastor, how are we going to afford that? You got a whole month to save. And if, if you, you know, I want to have people over and I don't want to spend a bunch of money. Grilled cheese go a long way. <laughs> Little Caesars still is like $6. The point is not, well, we're going to have this big extravagant meal. No, the point is lunch with a friend. I'm going to just get to know somebody that I, that I worship with. And then on September 4th, we're going to come together that night as uh, we get ready for Community Sunday on the 11th and just spend time praying together as a church for God to work. What's the purpose in all this? considering one another. Hey, get to know the people you worship with. Why? It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring strength in considering one another in order to encourage or to provoke to love and to good works. Notice the last thought. Since your relationship with God has changed, since your relationship with others have changed, be faithful to gather together. No, do you see it? Verse number 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but, so much, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Simply put, your relationship to other people is now an opportunity to be faithful to gather with other people. Now, does that mean that we're here, you know, it has to be a Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek, sir, we have to have this, this uh, picture of all of that? No, 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 no. Do you see what it says? It says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know the thought that the early church had? Anytime you can gather with any believers, do it. It may not be the entire group. It may only be two or three families. It may be three of you going out for coffee. It may be a men's group meeting for prayer. It may be our ladies group, which is gonna begin their Bible study back up in September. Uh, the ladies Bible study meeting at Red Door, I think doing Tuesdays this year or this next, uh, this next session. But here's the whole thought. Keep getting together. Why? Because you'll exhort one another. You'll encourage each other. Hey, the Christian life is lonely when it's done alone because God never intended it that way. So we are to consider and get to know other people. Why? So that I can provoke them to love and to good works and then not forsake that assembling together because I can encourage or exhort each other. And I'm going to keep doing that more and more and more as you see the day approaching until Christ comes back. I'm going to spend time getting to know the believers around me because since I have Christ, my relationships have completely changed. I like it being said this way. God has created a life-giving, heart-strengthening, and grace-filled relationship for each of us to partake in, and it's called his church. I love church. I was gone from here for three weeks. It was, it was great. I said that. But you know what I thought when we were, when every church we were at, Someone asked me if I watched the services, and I said, honestly, I, I came on the, our church service. I watched just a few minutes, but I told Pastor Carlos, I was like, I didn't watch all the services because as a pastor, do you know what I would have done? I would have been thinking, what could we improve with the live stream? I wonder who's there today. I wonder who's not there today. And I'd text the guys, hey, how'd everything go? And I'd text them that anyway, but I'd be, man, my brain would be all engaged. But I dialed out, but you know what I did? Even at all these other churches, the first church we were at where our family was helping lead the music that day and I was standing up there thinking, man, our church sings this song really, really well. And as I'm preaching, I was thinking, man, our church, uh, man, I, I, I wish I could preach at Moses Lake right now. And the second Sunday, I wish I could be in Moses Lake right now. And last week, as we visited a church in Santa Cruz and sat there, I was thinking, they have, they have a building, it was awesome. They have a building that was similar to the one that we're building 
And Hannah and I had talked about it. And I was like, babe, this is, it's a little bit larger, but our building's gonna be like this. And then, I, and then I thought, man, I can't wait to be in our new building. I can't wait to break ground. I can't wait to get that done. Just need a few million dollars. So if you know anybody, you know, just, let, just send them Robert's way. He'll tell them how to give online. But the thought, listen, I love our church. And I'm convicted by this because I know that there are times in my life I don't really know, I don't really know the people of our church like I should. And so what's the challenge? Man, God's given this life-giving, grace-filled, heart-strengthening relationship for us. It's called church. Take advantage of it. Don't do your Christian life on your own. Don't be one that's just kind of hit and miss because it's, man, they won't miss me. No, no, no. Even though you may not get a we missed you card or a we missed you call, you are missed. And God wanted that opportunity to invest and to help you. And God wanted to use you to do it in someone else's life. And so tonight the challenge is this. Will you step out of your comfort zone and get to know your church family? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.